Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hey there, gardeners of the world. We are so lucky to be gardeners, to have taken on that role, that name, that important job on this planet. As you know, from episode 10, we are the new stewards of the earth. And as such, we change this earth, we can change this place that we call home, we can create change that is lasting and has an important consequence. But change is not always good, you guys. Sometimes change occurs because we are blind to the truth or to the world around us. So take, for example, the changing landscape of the independent nursery or garden center. Those guys have been disappearing one at a time, little by little, over the last two decades. Once they were community hubs that were thriving, family businesses, and they've disappeared a lot of them have disappeared, leaving us with only the big box experience, in quotes, to shop at, if you can call it that. I wouldn't necessarily personally call it an experience. So today's episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast, episode number 15, is called Gardening Values. That might mean something different to everyone. My hope, our hope, is that by the end of this program, You're going to be armed with some information, some truth, some shred of hope that will cause you to change or to create change, and that those changes will come because of the values that you hold dear in your heart. And if you think this is a show just about supporting independent nurseries, you are gravely mistaken. Hey, healthy soil lovers. Are you looking for an independent nursery that carries Malibu compost? Then go online to malibucompost.com and look at our store locator and you'll find all of the fantastic establishments that carry our product. We are so grateful to be partnered with all of these amazing independent retailers all across America.
I've always loved shopping at my local nursery. In the town that I grew up in, Pacific Palisades, California, after my family moved out west from New Jersey, the local nursery, Palisades Nursery, has long been closed. But I remember my forays into that nursery as a kid with my mom and dad, and then later picking out plants with my landscape architect pal. It was a magical place, one that I valued greatly. Value from my dear old friends at Merriam-Webster that define it as a noun that means something such as a principle or quality intrinsically valuable or desirable sought material values instead of human values. I value the independent nursery. It is a huge part of our culture and of my culture. And as a gardener, it was the key to the wonderland of plants, tools, soils. It was one of the places that my journey began as a gardener a new steward of this earth. The independent nursery has been with us for a long time. I want to read you something from the National Nurseryman that was published in January of 1893. The article is called The Early Nursery Business. It is impossible to fix a date for the beginning of the nursery business in America. Trees were at first grown in small quantities as a mere adjunct to general farm operations. Governor John Endicott of the Massachusetts colony was one of the best fruit growers of his time, and he grew many trees. In 1644, he wrote to John Winthrop as follows, My children burnt me at least 500 trees this spring by setting the ground on fire. <laughs> Next to them. And in 1648, he traded 500 apple trees that were three years old for 250 acres of land. The first nursery in Maine is thought to have been that of Ephraim Goodale of Orrington, established early in the present century. Other early nurserymen of Maine were the brothers Benjamin and Charles Vaughn, Englishmen who settled at Hallowell in 1796. The first nursery in South Carolina was established by John Watson, formerly gardener to Henry Lawrence before the Revolution. In Massachusetts, there were several small nurserymen towards the close of the last century. Amongst, amongst them, John Kenrick of Newtown and his son William, who wrote The New American Orchardist, published in 1833. But the first independent nursery in the New World, in the sense in which we now understand the term, was established by William Prince at Flushing, Long Island. And that had four generations in that operation. The founder was William Prince, and the second prince was also named William Son, and he was the author of the first professed American treatise upon horticulture in 1828. Third generation of the Prince family was William Robert Prince, and his works and writings um, occupy a very high place in American horticultural literature. He was the author of A Treatise on the Vine in 1830, as well as Manual of Roses in 1846. So as you can see, the independent nursery holds a long and distinguished part of our horticultural history and of the history that we have in terms of gardening. It's a it's a it's a it's a critical component of our community and of our of our of our history and of our culture. And it's something to value. 
I am very worried that my grandkids, if I'm blessed enough to ever have grandkids, will never have the opportunity to walk into an independent nursery. And as the world is becoming more and more synthesized and controlled by global financial institutions, corporations, the day is fast approaching that there will be no family-owned or small businesses like the nurseries that I grew up in. And the battle lines have been set. It's become clearer and clearer to me every day. And it happened in another, in another sense to me last week when I saw an article about Paulino's Nursery in Denver. It was a fantastic family-owned nursery that I went into last year to do some sales. And its doors have now been closed forever. Hi, it's Norma, a biological farmer and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. When I first started growing food back in 2010, I didn't know what type of soil to get to fill my raised beds with. So I ended up getting the largest size soil bag I could find, which ended up being a bale. Then I hauled it over to my community garden plot. What I noticed that happened though, was that after only six months of growing, the plot soil level had gone down by about eight inches from the top. That was a lot to have to refill. So I realized later that it was because much of the ingredients were pretty large pieces of wood chips. Having to go back for more that often was pretty costly, even though the price was lower than the more quality soil products. So I decided to give Malibu Compost a try and use their Baby Boost potting soil to fill a client's beds with. Months went by and in the second year of growing, the soil level only went down by one and a half inches. It's also made of the finest quality ingredients and just a little of their booze blend compost goes a long way in your garden. Their quality products have saved me a lot of money over the years. we lose these nurseries, we are losing a piece of ourselves. I want you guys to listen to the story of Polinos and of Donnell's in Akron, Ohio. They closed their doors this year in 2019. Paulino Gardens, a great garden center and nursery that operated just north of Denver for 62 years, closed on July 28th. It had more than six acres of greenhouses and outdoor spaces. And what's going to happen to Paulino is that it's going to be plowed over to make way for warehouses. 
And the, res- the result is that the Paulino family got an offer they couldn't refuse, $12.2 million by an industrial developer named Prologis. And I get it. So business has been tougher and tougher and tougher, and you're getting less customers in, and margins are getting slimmer, and the competition's getting you know tighter, and there's a Home Depot down the street. So finally, somebody comes to you and says, hey, you know what? We'll give you guys 12 million bucks and just walk away, you know, go to the beach. And at some point, you've been doing this for 62 years and you've been carrying this thing, you know, with your family and with your community. At some point, sometimes you just got to take that offer. A lady who was a, a customer of theirs said, I was devastated when I heard they were closing and I... <clears throat> feel that Denver has lost a beloved treasure. This lifelong customer, Michelle Shank, told the Denver Post in a Facebook message this last week, there is nothing more life-affirming than seeing all of the beautiful and sometimes unusual plants at Paulino's. No longer. After 66 years, Don Zell's Flower and Garden Center in Akron is closing. This came from their press release. We are sad to announce that Donzell's Garden Center is closing. A long-time presence on Waterloo Road, the company has decided to close its doors forever. The Donzelli family said in a news release, Donzell's traces its history back to World War I veteran who was an Italian immigrant, Joe Donzelli, and his wife, Bessie, who moved to America and after years saved enough money to buy the land that the, that, that the nursery was housed on. Their son, Sam, came back from serving in the Navy in the Korean War, and the neighbors were asking them for a beautiful business. And that's when they opened the Bell Rose Florist, which later also became the nursery. Lori Meek came to Donzell's with her husband, Tom Seesdor, after learning the store was going to close. And they walked around outdoors, and Meek found a spicy ghost pepper, and she said, it's sad because it's been here a long time. She's retired from the University of Akron. She said, when I was working, I used to come here on my lunch hour almost every day. It used to have a calming effect on me. It's not just there. It's happening everywhere, you guys, in the Hudson Valley, in New York, and an 89-year-old nursery, the Banky Nursery Company in Belleville, Maryland. They've also closed their doors this year. Banky's was an industry leader they were the one of the first nurseries that discussed the prohibiting the application of neonicotinoids on on plants and urging their grower suppliers to use the least toxic alternatives. They also stopped carrying products by Scott's Miracle Grow, despite the huge demand for their product that was ginned up by the expensive advertising throughout the media. They're all gone. Why? The baby boomers are aging, and they're moving closer to the cities, which means they've got smaller lots. The Gen Xers, they're living in apartments and smaller homes with less space to garden in. And that goes for the millennials as well. Uh, I've got a millennial daughter, and even though they're moving into more suburban areas, some of the millennials, there's a shift that way. The suburban homes have gotten smaller and smaller gardens, smaller and smaller patio, smaller and smaller areas outside of the home, much more home intensive on those lots. We are becoming more and more involved in technology and less and less involved in gardening and the outdoors. It's true. Garden centers, they're space intensive, they're land intensive, they're labor intensive. 
and they're hard to make profitable today, especially with competition from the big box stores. But you know what helps retail stores survive and businesses survive? Customers. Customers who value those businesses. Did you guys know that many of the biggest retailers in America are either closing stores or filing for bankruptcy? Abercrombie & Fitch, American Apparel, Dollar Tree, Foot Locker, Forever 21, Gap, Guess, JCPenney's, and much more. None of these were not mom and pops. These guys were all in big malls and big areas of shopping. So why are these guys closing? Online shopping, huge issue, lack of customer loyalty, cheaply made products, zero time to shop, and people wanting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper options. So let's address them one at a time. Number one, online shopping. Is this really what we want? To sit in our cubicles and buy stuff online? Do we just want to spend more money at the altar of Amazon? Is that is that where, where we have to go? Don't you think Jeff Bezos has enough dough? <laughs> Number two, lack of customer loyalty. Trying to keep customers is, is like speed dating today. Since when does everybody who's in a business have to um, give you a deal or make you an offer that you can't refuse or make it you know, uh, seem better than it, than it can be so good that you have no margin and you can't stay in business? I can tell you from my own experience with Malibu Compost, we made compost that takes us six to eight months to finish before we ever see a dime. And we're a small farming company, you know, compared to the global uh, companies that we go up against. And there's a lot that goes into making what I believe is the best compost in America. And we test for GMOs and we test for pesticides and herbicides. We spend a ton of money on testing so that you can have something that's actually real in your garden and can grow healthy food and healthy soil and healthy flowers and a healthy environment versus all the zillions of other products out there. That was our goal. So what I see for what we do is we're not a globalist waste management company. We're not one of those companies that goes ahead and takes the garbage from the trash industry or from conventional agriculture and then regurgitates it and sends it back to you to put into your soil. What we are is real, true. It's not something that we can sell cheaply because we value it, what our work is, what our farms are, what we do. And what we do is we charge a fair price that has a fair margin. And if you don't support companies that do that, someday you're going to turn around and you're going to go, wow, whatever happened to those guys? Do you think those nurseries or those other companies or other products that you love are going to tell you, wow, we've only got a year or two left if something doesn't change? No, they're not going to tell you. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go away. Cheap stuff. If you buy cheap stuff, you get cheap stuff. Don't be fooled by the false economy of buying cheap because a lot of times when you buy cheap, you have to replace or you're getting an inferior product that actually doesn't do the job that you bought that product for or that service for or that good for. So don't be fooled by the marketing ploy of cheap. 
Four, are we really that busy that we can't even spend time to go shopping, learning, experiencing, having that experience in our community? Don't you value walking into your local nursery and hearing the beautiful waterfalls going or walking out when you've got the pollinators that are in and seeing the butterflies fly around and maybe a bee could pop in there and a couple of birds, you know, dotting along or when the veggie starts come in, don't you value that? And you think to yourself like, yay, it's time to grow veggies. Or when you see the seasonality of the Christmas trees coming into the lot and it has that great smell and you see all the kids out there coming in from high school and working and loading Christmas trees onto people's cars. That's an experience that is community. You know something that I love in my community? I love mariachis. Mariachis, please. Five, the big box, massive amounts of lots of cheap crap that has invaded our shores and invaded our brain. More is not better. More is just more garbage. This big boxing of the world is one of the biggest culprits for why these great mom and pops and independent stores have gone out of business. They can't compete because we walk in there like zombies going, give me cheap, give me cheap. Oh, that's much cheaper. Oh, I will take that cheap soil over good soil because it's, why? Cheap. I will take the smelly soil over the one that doesn't smell at the other independent nursery that's really great. Why? Because it's cheap. I will buy the light fixture or the tool that's going to break within the first month. Why? Because it's cheap. (laughs) All of these things are value issues. If we garden values, and that means we find the plants, lay out the garden, dig the holes, plant the plants, nurture the soil. The same, I believe, must be done for things that we value. In communities, with the companies that you support, the stores you support, the products we support. It's not easy to be the little guy or to be that that lone store that's still the mom and pop along the interstate. It's not easy to be the company that does the right thing and makes really good quality stuff and charges you a fair price for it. It's value. And yeah, I work in a company that values what we do. I value the independent nurseries that carry our products. I value those jobs. I value the people that have years of education and years of experience that they give out to people. I value the fact that we get to share information through classes at the garden centers that we sell our products at. I value all these things. I like a handshake, a smile, a nod, an affirmation. I like to know that I'm human. I like to know that my customers are human beings. I like when I hear back from somebody, thank you for that tip that you gave me in gardening because you know something? You just changed a big part of the way I'm going to do things and it was really successful. Thank you for that. So yeah, I value the independent nursery. I value you and those stores, those mom and pops, those independents, I can tell you something that's true. They value you as well.
So what can you do? It's very simple. One, you can support them. Support those mom and pops, those independent nurseries. Support the companies that make great stuff. Support those farms that grow real, true, organic food. Support, support, support. Two, share that with other people. Share the information. Tell everybody, you know, what it is that's so great about this company or this store or these people. Share that. Be part of a tribe. Be part of a community. Speak up. Three, don't just listen to the marketing machine that keeps drilling holes into your head every day trying to just pound you with misinformation. And four, don't go to Amazon. Don't go online and just Google crap and buy it because that's where you can get it. Go to the store. And if you have to buy something online, I've said it over and over and over, if you do, then go and buy it from the website of the company that's selling it. So that's it. Those are the steps. That's what you can do to make sure that your values are heard, that your values are instilled, that you can continue to garden your values when it comes to the things that matter to you. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a truly organic and healthy garden. Until then, healthy and happy gardening.